0: And subscribe to receive our latest articles and special offers. And the best part, it's all free, just for you. We have a special treat for you here because this is uh, part one of a two part podcast interview with Kelly Paxton. She is a certified fraud examiner, fraud investigator, social media intelligence analyst, and she's going to reveal some very interesting information as far as uh, embezzlement and fraud and things you can watch out for in your construction company. Like I said, this is part one of two, next part will be next week. Hello everyone, my name is Randley Hart. I'm your host here at the Contra Success Map podcast, and today we're honored to have Kelly Paxton as our guest here on the podcast. Hello, Kelly. Good morning. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Let me just tell you a little bit about Kelly. Uh, Kelly has more than 13 years of law enforcement experience. She's a certified fraud examiner, private investigator, and social media intelligence analyst. Uh, Ms. Paxson started her career in law enforcement as a special agent for the U.S. Customs Office of Investigations in 1993. Ms. Paxson was recruited by U.S. Customs for her expertise in finance. She worked white-collar fraud, money laundering, and narcotics cases. She also was responsible for the district's undercover operations and financial reporting of these operations. Kelly worked as a contract investigator doing over 1,000 security background investigations for the Office of Personnel Management and Department of Homeland Security. Kelly has worked in the public and private sector. Her most recent position was an investigator at Nike. Her investigations include embezzlement, conflict of interest, intellectual property, open source intelligence, and fraud. Kelly is also the proud owner of www.pinkcollarcrime.com. A passion of hers is about women ambassadors in the workplace. She regularly tweets at pdxcfe and has www.kellypaxton.com. Kelly, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Oh. I am so excited to uh, talk with you today about embezzlement.
0: Oh, this is great, Kelly. Can you tell? I, I kind of read your bio, but can you tell us in your own words a little bit about your background and, and how you came to be where you are now?
1: Sure. It, um, it never. I would have never chosen this career path intentionally, but things just happened, and I would say right off the bat, things have happened because I've picked up the phone or sent an email. So originally when I became a custom special agent, I had been working in a brokerage firm and they called us about um, one of our clients. Turned out he had committed wire fraud. So about two years later, I called the special agent and said, hey, I'm interested. And next thing you know, I became a special agent. And um, it was fantastic. I can't believe I got paid to do what I got to do. I had so much fun. and um, But I was when I was a special agent, I was arresting bad guys, like guys that, you know, you would cross the street or, um, I mean, I did arrest a few females, but different types of cases. And, um, but then I went to work for the local sheriff's office and I was their fraud analyst and I would schedule out embezzlement cases. And one day I just realized that all of my suspects, with the exception of one man, were women. And these were nice women. They were, you know, they had children in school. They were, you know, they worked for the dental office. They weren't scary. They were people that, you know, you would see in your neighborhood at your kid's school. Um, Definitely not scary. And you, they live amongst us. And that's what I say about pink collar crime is it's relatable. Everyone knows someone who has been a victim of pink collar crime. Think about a kid's soccer team. Um, a local water district, a government agency, a nonprofit—they're relatable. People don't really relate to Bernie Madoff.
0: Right. True. And at the
1: end, yeah, and kind of, and you know, and this isn't this isn't my opinion at all, but a lot of people really don't feel sorry for Bernie Madoff's victims, but they do feel sorry for the dentist, the soccer club, the government agency that gets ripped off by nice women. We arrested. Um, one woman who stole from her kid's private school and it was the, det- the detectives, one of her roughest days ever arresting someone. It was heartbreaking. And, and so I started Googling women in and all of a sudden I come up with, or I find this pink collar crime and it just kind of took off. And so I've been speaking on it since 2009. And I'm just getting the word out, and um, it happens, and it's devastating to not only the victims and their families, but also to the perpetrators in their families. These are moms, sisters, wives, grandmas, and we don't really think of women like this.
0: No, that's true. Uh, Generally, we don't. We have have an image of, of a guy doing this most of the time.
1: The thing is, is the women are in the position where there is the money and there are differences between male and female embezzlers. Women steal less than men on average. Hmm. The glass ceiling is like seventy nine to eighty two cents. It's anywhere from forty five to fifty three cents when they steal. Okay. So, yeah, and is that because they're in a position that has more scrutiny? Maybe. Um, I meet business owners and one of the first things they tell me is that they have signing authority only. And I just smile and I say, what about your visa machine? Well, what about it? And it's like, do you do refunds? Oh, I don't know. And if you do refunds, can you only refund back to the original card that made the charge? Oh, I don't know. I read one article and I haven't been able to find it. There are over 200 ways to embezzle from a bank. And I believe it. Yeah. 200 ways to embezzle from a bank. Hmm. I I, I haven't been able to locate that, but I just like that blew me away. So when a business owner says, well, I have finding authority and I got rid of my signature stamp, my accountant told me to get rid of that signature stamp. And I did. Yes. I, I just smile on it's like, but there are so many other ways to seal. And maybe a long time ago before the internet, it was,
0: you needed the checks.
1: But now you don't need the checks. You can hit enter. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Well, can you tell us some, uh, some stories and some information about what you see in the construction industry? You know, the plumbers, HVAC, remodelers, and all the contractors. Because. We have a lot of contractors listening to this podcast, and I know they're interested. in that just to uh, key in, basically, real quick on that credit card machine. You are so right because we take credit cards. We have a machine, and we have it set for that very thing. We can only refund back to the card holder. But that's just one of the things. Can you address and kind of uh, hone in on contractors and what they need to watch out for?
1: Absolutely. So I have things that I call pink flags instead of red flags. I call them pink flags. And um, (laughs) one of the um, one of the first things I will say is um, pay attention to your employees and their lifestyle. And we've talked about this before the podcast is all of a sudden I had a um, there was a case south of me south of portland and all of a sudden the owner of the business looked outside and he saw that his administrative assistant was driving a brand new cadillac escalade
0: oh no and then he
1: (laughs) yeah and i get and i i'll tell you more of the story but the ironic thing is is he apparently did pay her well but then he realized that she was talking about horses and he's like god horses are expensive yes and so all of a sudden he started digging around and $800,000 later, she was sent to prison. Now, wow. unfortunately for him, she stole money out of his personal accounts. He had a business, and it would have been covered by insurance in his business, but mm-hmm. she stole it out of his personal accounts. And I actually gave this presentation um, kind of in the general vicinity of where this happened, and a woman raised her hand, and she goes, I know that woman. And by the end of the presentation, the same woman says to me, I realized I know five women who have embezzled and I didn't even think it was a thing until you brought it up. Really? But they're all in the positions. And I mean, in the medical industry, Mm -hmm. there's a term for that office manager that does everything. And it's called the second wife. And (laughs) I was thinking, (laughs) yeah, I, I, (laughs) I work out next to a woman whose husband's a retired ophthalmologist. And when she found out what I did, And I said, oh, there's this dentist and this office manager. And she's like, oh, no, us doctor wives. And, you know, she's older. She's in her late 70s. She goes, us doctor wives, we refer to those women as the second wives because they do everything. They even buy us our own presents. (laughs) So, no. um, And I think in the contractor world, it's a lot like that also. Where you just rely on them because they're answering the phone. They, They make your life so you can go do the work. Mm-hmm.
0: That's yeah. true.
1: Yeah. And, and you trust them. Why wouldn't you trust them? I mean, there was one um, electrical uh, contractor down in uh, Las Vegas, and he had left one electric company and decided to start his own. So he brought a woman that he knew from the first company. And he said, why wouldn't I have trust her? I worked alongside her, you know, she was great. Well, it turns out she stole, I can't, it was in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's kind of embarrassing that I, yeah, that I can't remember this exact amount. But the interesting thing is when she was sentenced, the owner of the business actually went to the judge, because you can make a victim statement. And he said, judge, she needs to serve three and a half years at least. said, my wife and I have been fighting about this for six months and I can't retire for an extra three and a half years. So I need three and a half years. Well, the judge apparently bought that argument and gave her five and a half years, which I was like, that's awesome. That is. But I mean, the part of me I'm a fraud examiner, but I also consider myself a little bit of a fraud therapist Mm -hmm. because face it, you your clients can remake the money. They might have to work an extra three and a half years. They might, you know, maybe they have insurance, but you can't remake trust. No. And it's, it's devastating. One dentist I had, he and his wife, they, the wife came to a presentation I put together, and I said, you know, this is your fraud team, your attorney, your insurance agent, someone like me, possibly law enforcement. And the wife said, um, I would like you to add therapists and she was dead serious she said it was the hardest thing she and her husband had been through in 30 plus years of marriage was to see this woman steal from them
0: boy i never thought of that but you're right
1: i I mean if my husband all of a sudden said three hundred thousand dollars walked out the door i would be angry yes And, and and there would be finger pointing and that's it's like well why didn't you catch it well i don't know i was busy doing the work well why didn't you catch it I don't know you never gave me control i mean there's a lot of finger pointing that goes on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and i just had two um two men who owned an electric company and one was supposed to be watched they were brothers Uh and one was supposed to (laughs) yeah i know one was supposed to be watching the money and the other one did the other side of the business well the one wasn't watching the money and so here is their legacy is the two of the two of them you know, pointing fingers. One guy, the one who didn't do the money, is like, how would you not see this? And the other guy is like, well, I had too much to do. So you have these nice brothers, and all they're doing is just sniping at each other. Like, you should have caught it. No, you should have caught it. And that's no way to be in a business.
0: No. No, it's not. But it does happen. You're right.
1: Yep. And that's that's the hardest part of my job is to see the the devastation that on the victim because okay between you and me and my family the joke is i trust no one um but that's my background and i do trust people as a matter of fact i trust them probably more than maybe i should but mm-hmm. everyone thinks i don't trust them so um <laughs> <laughs> you know trust is not an internal control it, it no. it's just not and no. and You you introduced me and you talked about the background investigations I've done. I've done tons of background investigations and I still do them once in a while, but mine are very expensive because Mm -hmm. what happens is I can do a background on a potential employee and Mm -hmm. everything looks great. But you know what? Six months, two years, five years down the road, something changes in that person's life. And all of a sudden they cross the line. So we have the fraud triangle, which is opportunity, pressure, and rationalization. The only thing you can control for is opportunity. You, you could pay your administrative assistant, your office manager, a million dollars a year. But if they have a raging gambling habit, if they have sick parents, a sick child, a child that's maybe you know, having trouble with the law, a spouse that leaves them or gets, you know, laid off. You can't control pressure and rationalization. So you have to remove opportunity.
0: Interesting.
1: Yeah. That I is have, interesting. I have, I have dentists who uh, right off the bat, they're like, I pay my, you know, staff 10% more than the average. Cause most dentists know what kind of the average salary is. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. That is, you're very generous. But Sally needs $100,000 a year because she's got a lifestyle that costs $100,000 a year because her husband no longer works or, you know, her kid is playing elite soccer or, you know, whatever. So that's, you take a look at your employees and when they show up with the Cadillac Escalade and you know you're paying them 40 or a year and they're taking really nice trips. That's the problem.
0: Oh yes. You were so right. (laughs) We have seen that more than once. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely. I mean, when uh, again, not, I should i have done this for dentists, but um, I had one dentist and he, he finds out he's being embezzled and you know, it's, it's, stressful and so he tried to break the stress as we're sitting across the table from him and he said you know when she had a newer or a, a newer model of a bmw like mine i should have maybe questioned it and i just said yeah think," but <laughs> it, it, but then he said she told me her husband had a really good job and now this is, I live in Portland and mm-hmm. he was in Beaverton and she lived across the river in Vancouver, which is the worst commute in Portland. And I'm like, think about it. She's driving over an hour each way a day for $18 an hour. Uh-oh. Her husband doesn't have that great of a job. She had been kicked out from Vancouver. And so she's like, well, I can get a job on the other side of the river. And it's like, <laughs> what? when things don't make sense, question them.
0: So, oh, no, yeah. that's good. That That's a yeah. great phrase. And things don't make sense, question them. Yes, that's true.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's another. The other pink flag, when they don't take vacations, and you've probably seen this. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I had a dentist, but we had to find out when the office manager was in the office compared to when the dentist was in the office. In six and a half years, she took one and a half days of vacation. That was it. Her wow. husband had cancer. Yeah, her husband had cancer. She was in a car accident. She came in in a full neck brace. And wow. the dentist, sweetheart that she was, said, I knew she was dedicated. And I'm like, whoa, Nellie, not dedicated. She couldn't miss work. And so many cases get found out when they're on vacation, they're sick, they can't get to work because you get a bank statement that shows up that she's always grabbed or he's always grabbed. Mm-hmm, you get, mm-hmm. um, you get a phone call from a client stating, you know what? I made this cash payment and it's not showing. So this woman couldn't miss work. She fired three receptionists saying that they weren't good.
0: Oh, well,
1: they were good. They got to the phone before her and she couldn't have that happen. Uh oh. So, yeah, so not taking a vacation. This is a fantastic story. There's this woman in the 1950s. Her name is Bernice Geiger. She stole 2.1 million dollars from her dad's bank. What? Like, and that's yeah, that's the equivalent of 17 million dollars in today's money. She gets arrested, and this was before Excel and QuickBooks, and she had a detailed journal. And when she got arrested, she was like. Thank goodness. I am exhausted. What? She couldn't take vac- She was exhausted because she couldn't take vacations. So she goes to prison for five years. She comes out, and her parents actually let her move in. Um, note to my kids, if that happens to you, I don't know if I'll let you move in. So, no. <laughs> um, Agreed. But, <laughs> and so the rumor is, the urban rumor is, and I heard this on Freakonomics, and I haven't been able to validate it, but I think it's true is that she went and consulted for a um, government regulatory agency. And what did she look for? People who hadn't taken vacations. And she would investigate them. So the FDIC has a banker's you know, mandatory vacation rule. And I think it's from little Miss Bernice Geiger.
0: I'll be darn.
1: Yeah. So make them take vacations. And not a day at a time. Like I, I tweet at nighttime or they mm-hmm. go out the next day. But um, I was just reading um, a story about a case that happened. And the office manager never took more than a couple days off at a time. But then something happened and she wasn't able to make it into the office. And sure enough, they found a bank statement. And they were like, what is this bank statement? Well, she had opened a bank account. And they knew nothing about it.
0: Oh, the, no.
1: the Yeah. The largest mun- municipal fraud embezzlement mm-hmm. was um, just about six years ago. Rita Cronwell in the town of Dixon, Illinois, Ronald Reagan's hometown, which trust but verify, she mm-hmm. sold $53.7 million. Wait a and she minute. was found out. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Uh huh. There's some bad acoustics here. I, I thought you said $63.7 million.
1: Well, a little bit, fifty-three.
0: I'm 50. sorry, fifty-three point yeah. seven million.
1: Yep, and she was How? found out on vacation. And she had a she had an extra bank account, and yeah. uh, she actually did take vacations. But um, yeah, she started working for the city when she was you know still in high school, and she just everyone loved Rita. She had a very expensive horse habit. She was one of she has, I, I can't remember how many world championships for quarter horses. Wow. Everyone in town thought that the horses made money. Well, I think anyone who has horses know that horses don't make money. They cost money.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. And so there were, there were rumors about um, her lifestyle. And one was that her parents were early investors in Campbell Soup. Mm-hmm. Another rumor was that she had a boyfriend who died and left her a bunch of money. Not true. And then another rumor was that her parents had invested in the cable industry in the greater Chicago area, and that's where she got her money. None of it was true. She was stealing from the city. Wow. Yeah. She's in prison for almost 20 years. The so amazing story. There's an amazing um, documentary out from a friend of mine, Kelly Richmond Pope, called All the Queen's Horses. Highly recommend it. And. Mm-hmm. I use a lot of hashtags in my sort of social media. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: one of them is it's not rocket science. So I had a woman who stole a quarter of a million dollars from a group of um, physicians, surgeons. Okay. And the first time she stole, it was in between. um, They were changing bookkeeping systems. Okay. And she got a check that wasn't, the billing didn't show up on either. And so she took it. And that was the start. Hmm. And then for the next however many checks, she wrote them out to her name. She coded them in the system differently. But every check had her name on it. I actually had her come to a presentation I did of mine. (laughs) Oh, no. yeah, well, she offered, and, and the audience asked her questions, and they're like, what do you mean every check had your name on it? She goes, if they had ever pulled a check, they would have seen it was my name. And every Friday, the head surgeon would meet with the CPA, and they'd go over the finances. But it was just a download. It was, they never once validated a payment. Oh. She actually, yeah, she actually quit. And she was gone about six months. And then she gets a phone call. But, like, they didn't even know until she was gone. And every, every week she wrote a check to herself. And she'd code it for, you know, like, office supplies or printing. Or They never once checked the checks. They just Unbelievable. downloaded the report.
0: Downloaded the report from mm-hmm. the bank. Looked at the report in the bank. And that was where it stopped.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. So
1: she's like. I didn't even really try and hide it. She said the first check. So this is one of the other um, sort of investigative tips, even though do not try to investigate these cases on your own, because if you're wrong, I, I had a former boss who was able to purchase a really nice house from a guy who had um, uh, confronted his office manager of embezzlement. Okay. And she didn't. And he, he had to pay a settlement to her. Oh, so yes. these, yeah, don't investigate these on your own. Don't think, <laughs> you know. And that's not so. I get work. It's just if you do a workplace termination and it's wrong, anyone who's done that before, you're you're paying a lot of money. Oh. And yes. even if you're, even if you're right and you have to defend yourself, you're still paying a lot of money.
0: Oh, you, so, you're oh, so right.
1: But one of the things that. I tell when I go out and I talk about this is they always remember the first time so what you do is um what I do is tell me about the first time it's kind of like your first boyfriend or your first girlfriend you always remember that
0: oh okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I know so it's like tell me about The first time, and the woman who stole the quarter of a million dollars, she lives locally by me, and I was able to meet with her in person. And when I said, "Tell me about the first time," she was like, "It was eight thousand dollars. It was Friday. I went to the bank. I got a... I mean, it was ten minutes about that episode." Whereas, like, tell me about six months later, she's like, "I don't know. I stole." It's wow. They're crossing the line, and that is just you know, so ingrained in their brain. So when I go out and I teach other fraud examiners or auditors, it's like, don't say, tell me about September of, you know, 2016. It's like, let's talk about the first time that you did Hmm. this. Describe it. And they'll describe it because it's a big, I I mean, if you, there's a woman who stole $10 million from an Acura dealership back East. And, um, I emailed her and I wrote to her and I asked her and she had, she wrote back to me. She said, I had never so much as had a parking ticket and she got sick and then she got put on some medication. And then she said, she I just started thieving. Um, but like, according to the association of certified fraud examiners, they do a report to the nation. 4%. This is the most recent statistics. 4% of people who commit workplace fraud, have criminal history.
0: That's it. Only 4%? Yep. I, I always thought it was yep. somewhere like you know, 80 or 90 or whatever. At least no. 80. Four? No,
1: the The now these are, it's a survey, so mm-hmm. it, it's not validated. But I'm trying to think in, I mean, I've had cases where they don't have a criminal history, but I know that they've done it before because they, up at a company say in september 2016 and they're stealing by november of 2016 it's because they did it somewhere else and they knew how to do it
0: Uh
1: Oh. yeah so you want to do a timeline if they steal right off the bat they've done it elsewhere i had a case at nike where um i said to the detective who i knew because they brought in law enforcement and I said, she stole before. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, just look at, her, look at her work history. She came here and she started stealing relatively quickly. And if you look at where she worked before, it's a business that's known for maybe not having the best tone at the top. And I'm like, she didn't learn here. She learned elsewhere. And a lot of people, they say between 15 and 25% of people that get embezzled only go to law enforcement. So, you know, three out of four business owners are like, I don't want to go to law enforcement. I don't have time it's throwing good money after bad. I'm just lucky they didn't steal more. I need to get past this. A lot of cases are not prosecuted.
0: But yeah, okay. So the, the people that um, in, in this case you're describing, she was at a different place before she came to Nike. And you said that, that place didn't have the best reputation or, you know, little loose at the top and that's where she so she learned how to embezzle did they okay. that previous place did they teach her how to do it or did she just kind of learn it on her own or i'm confused what you're saying there
1: so um she worked in kind of the c-suite area and um this is what i've seen also and you know there is never a valid reason to steal
0: no that's true
1: however however say you're a business owner. And you take your family um, f- to a convention. And it's, you know, for heating and cooling or whatever. And sure. you take, and it's, say, at Disney World. And you take your whole entire family there. And you go to the convention. And then you come back. And you give your um, American Express black card to your office manager. And you say, pay it. Now, they say to you, well, now I know you took Sally and the boys, so how do you want me to break this out? And you say, pay it. Now, I'm not saying that uh, it's acceptable to do that, and the office manager might be fine with that. But now, say six days, six weeks, six months, or even six years later, her child wants to go on, you know, some... uh, school trip and it's to Washington DC to see the monuments. and the, the she gets a text from her kid because kids don't call and the kid says I need my last $200 for the payment for the trip and what does the office manager think at that point and I'm not oh, saying no. it's right I am never saying it's right but they're not dumb they're like you know what the business owner he writes his stuff off that's wrong what's 200 bucks and that's how it can start it can start as a mistake um so the tone at the top you know that's another reason that i think a lot of cases do not get um taken to law enforcement Mm -hmm. is it's a sad truth that people will um maybe expense a child's car through the business and all of a sudden and i had this in a construction business mm-hmm. where the the woman had stolen from a medical clinic then she went to the construction business and when she was confronted she said you know i've warned you that bob is inappropriate he slaps me on the you, you know what as he mm-hmm. walks by there are posters in the men's locker room or the men's changing room they're inappropriate And if you turn me into law enforcement, I'm going to turn you into the Bureau of Labor and Industry. Oh, no. There's, you know, and so what do some business owners do? They're like, you know what, just leave. Let's call it good. Just leave. Okay. And it happens. Now, in that case, we had known she had done the same thing to the previous medical clinic. She (laughs) had Gone to the owner of the medical clinic and said, I know you write off your kid's car. I know you pay all your um, utilities for your personal home through the business. I'm turning you into the IRS. Well, luckily, the business owner said, fine, they can audit me. I don't care. Nice. And so they're they're desperate. They will do whatever it takes to not go to jail.
0: And, but but yet they've I committed mean, fraud, and they know it. They broke the right. law.
1: Right. But they're turning it around and saying, I'm going to turn you into the IRS. I'm going to turn you into, you know, the EEOC. And a lot of business owners, I hate to say it, they're like, they're scared. Because they do maybe are a little, you know, in the gray area of expenses. So are they going to go to law enforcement and say, oh, here's all my books. I mean, I say that um, an audit is an awful thing to go through. Yes, it is. It's a sampling. Now, if you go to law enforcement and you say that your office manager stole $300,000, they want every check for $300,000. They can't sample. So you have to give them everything. Now an audit is bad, but the thought of turning over your book to a cop, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are a little scared of that. Now, Cops aren't paying attention to depreciation and mileage, and they're not. But we all have our little deep, dark secrets, Sure, that and makes sense. it scares people. Like it truly scares people. Like, what do you mean? I have to give you all my, you know, records?
0: Yeah, no, that just, makes sense.
1: It's the fear of the unknown.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, yeah, it is definitely. Um, And I think that's what stops a lot of businesses from going to law enforcement. I always want businesses to go to law enforcement, but I completely understand because, you know, it's also doing an embezzlement case. It's not like CSI. It doesn't last an hour. It is months and months and sometimes years. And at some point you have to kind of get back to doing your work.
0: Right. Well, Kelly, could, could you kind of give our listeners, you know, is there like a threshold? So obviously if somebody embezzles, you know, $10 to buy a burger, that's probably not uh, material enough to worry about. But is there a threshold? If they embezzle this amount of money, it's time to to turn it into the, uh, the authorities? And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on how to turn your contracting company into a process-dependent cash cow. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to the Contractor Success Map,